In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not move him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Okay, so all of you just heard that again. As you heard Tom read that, is there anything that sort of popped out for you? Anything that just, like, oh, or just anything? Like, you're hearing that read, you're looking at it being read. Is there anything that pops out to you in hearing this? this again, for a lot of you, maybe. You no know? one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. I think the first sentence, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right. Just pretty powerful right there. Mm-hmm. The only God who is at the Father's side. Huh. Which is that? Which is that? It's 18. 18. Oh, 18. Okay. The only... Uh, wait, the only God the only who God. is at the Father's side. Okay. All right. Okay. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. <clears throat> kind of draws that we are an intangible part of God. We are huh. from within him, hmm. not some external thing. Okay. I like grace upon grace. <laughs> grace in addition to grace is how yeah. I see it. Give us some more of that. <laughs> Never too much. I noticed as I read it, uh, verse 4, uh, verse 5, um, that the tense changes. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, but shines is present tense. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. So it moves from s- something that happened in the like, past almost. Well, it's about God was, 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 but right. he's with us. The light shines present tense. All right. He's, you know, alive today. Anyone else? He was in the world and the world was created through him. First 
Yeah, and the next phrase is that the world didn't not know them. He created them, but they didn't know them. <coughs> yeah. That's got to be kind of insulting. Yeah. Pretty much why we have the whole Bible today is because <laughs> people rejected him and he wanted us to know him. <laughs> you know. Why well, we have John? He wants us to, to know him. Yeah. Anyone else? Anything that struck you? He gave the right to become children of God. All right. All right. Do you know what the word is for the word? So in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Logos? Logos. Logos. Very good. Logos. Alright. Anybody know what Logos means? Logic. What does it mean? Is it logic? Logic? Okay. Good. Yeah. Alright. Truth. Truth? Come on, Pete. You know. Logos is a Greek idea. It's, uh, it's, 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 you know, something that was revered by by the Greek culture, mm-hmm. it was an idea of like wisdom. Um, um, yeah, it, it, it was a very Greek Greek term. Sacred word. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't there logos, ethos, and pathos? It's like the what they call it the rhetorical triangle. Is I know what you're referring to. Yes, it's like high school. <laughs> Which class was that in high school? Yeah, somewhere in Sacramento, I forget. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I remember learning uh, about that. It was, interesting. Oh, um, I think it was like probably like my junior year of high school. So right. yeah, it was like there was the triangle. So not Bible class, huh? Not Bible class. Yeah. You know? It was uh, English. So it's like, logos, ethos. And pathos. Uh, is that the truth, goodness, and... So I guess what pathos is, uh, is that emotion, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think about And then ethos is like ethics, and then... Um, I don't know, am I... Am I no, yeah, no, but I mean, I, I've am heard I, that like, too, but right I just don't know. But no, it's fine. It just, yeah. I just wanted to see where you guys, yeah. when you hear the word, when you hear the word logos. <laughs> so here's something that's um, somewhat interesting, is that... And we all know, we, we know how the story ends. Okay, we all know that here the word is referring ultimately to Jesus. Okay. Um, but what is interesting in this opening of John is that once he opens and talks about this whole thing where he says the beginning was, was the word and the word was with God, after this, nowhere else in John do we see Jesus referred to as the word. As logos, logos will still appear, which I'll talk about, but never is it like this anymore. Nowhere else do we again see Jesus referred to as the Word. So I guess what I wonder is, why do you think John chose to use the word logos here? Because what else would you think that he could have used? In the beginning, was uh, if we know Jesus, we know he has different titles and stuff. What are the other terms you could think of that 
could have replaced it, that John could have used. It would maybe even be more logical, <laughs> not or or would ring to us. Because if he's never going to really call Jesus the word anymore, um, Jesus refers himself in different ways to John. Um, other people refer to him. So can you think of what some of those terms are that Jesus uses himself or that is used of Jesus and John or other places? Son of man, son of God. Okay, so son of man, son of God. So why, I wonder why in the beginning was not, in the beginning was the son of God. Or in the beginning was the son of man. Or what else could there be? Light of man. Okay, all right. Why Why do you think John starts with this word logos? I think it relates back to Genesis 1. Okay, although Logos does not appear in Genesis 1. No, but the, the Word does. The Word does. What? How does the Word appear in Genesis 1? My Greek said, isn't too good. God's, oh, God's interesting. Said. And God said. Alright, yeah, so hold that. that. So, and God said. Oh, and God said. Alright. Um, is there significance that the Word is capitalized here? Uh, that's probably more us doing that um, than it is really in the Greek. Uh, probably in the Greek you would not necessarily have capitalizations. But well, it's capitalized because it represents God. Right, it represents Jesus, exactly. So we do that in English. In Greek, a lot of times you don't necessarily have capitalizations, like Hebrew. It's just like the letters. Um, How about the source of life? Okay, so you mean why not say the source of life? Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think he uses the word logos here, specifically? And he's never going to use it again. So the word logos, during the time of the Greeks, when Jesus lived, this was a very, very common word. Okay? So, I mean, you have other words within Scripture that are, you know, maybe not as much used Within the Greek culture, logos was used all over in the Greek culture. Okay? So it's a very common word. One way in which it was used is it was used just simply in the sense of someone expressing themselves. So right now I'm the <laughs> logosine. <laughs> all right? Um, so this, the, the idea of speech. Uh, um, Greg says something. Greg logos is something. All right? So that's one meaning of logos. But... There is another meaning of Logos, which is the idea of all the philosophers that had been existing within the Greek culture up to the time of Jesus. Logos had a, some different meanings, all right? Um, so, for example, and I'll try to just hit on some. In the Greek culture, which is called Hellenism at that time, the word, the word Logos started all the way back like the 6th century B.C. And the philosophers and people even back then were looking at it as this like overall controlling thing of the universe. That there was something about the universe that sort of made it tick, that made it work. All right? And so it started out like the thing that makes everything work was the logos. Okay? Um, could be related to gods of the Greek culture, but not necessarily. It was really just like the idea of the thing that makes everything work. And then Plato came along. And I'm not going to get into philosophy here. <laughs> but Plato comes along, 
And Plato starts having this idea that has stuck with uh, the Greek culture, which is we, the, our Western culture comes from the Greek culture. All right. So Plato had this idea that there's a separation in, the, in reality, let's say. There is those things that we see, all this right here, and then there is like this heavenly thing where there's these ideas or these concepts or these principles that exist that are unchanging. All right. And so there's this idea that you have these things that are unchanging, but what you see in the world just is constantly changing. All right. And so there is a separation Plato would, would have with that. Um, and then... From Plato came the site, and Logos was a term often used for that thing that was just these constant principles that never changing. All right. It's called sort of upstairs and downstairs. Then you have the Stoics, which is another set of philosophers. Um, they, again, made it look like Logos was, and the way you, they used Logos was, again, sort of this force up there, this impersonal force that controlled everything that was going on. And so for the Greeks, they would view this material world often in philosophy and in their beliefs. They viewed this material world as it changes all the time. There's nothing constant. There's nothing certain. We don't want to focus on what's going on in the world because it's just change. We want to somehow try to reach these ideals up here, okay, or understand those up there. All right. And so when John is coming in here and opening this prologue, he is directly addressing the Greek culture. And so when the Greeks, who didn't even necessarily know who Jesus is, and when the Greeks would see this, they would go like, oh, wow, okay, in the beginning was the word. Well, you just heard me give a, <laughs> an interesting attempt to try to understand what the Greek philosophy was, which was many. But they would go, yeah, there's this thing up there that's unchanging going out of the world. And they would say, yeah, in the beginning there was a word, and the word was with God, and they would probably go, hmm, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe gods are up there too, and this thing is this unchanging. But so John is trying to address this idea. And the way he's addressing it is to just hit it head on and just say, this is what you guys think is the unchanging or the word but I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind, in essence. I'm going to tell you something that what you think is the thing that controls the universe, what you think is the controlling force of all this, is different than what you think. <laughs> yeah, that makes okay? sense. Okay? All right? And so he's directly saying there's something different than everything you've ever believed in before. It's almost like Paul with the unknown God. Right. Saying, yeah, you have all these different gods, but I know an unknown god. This god is different. <laughs> all right. Does that make sense a little bit? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you look at this and you think of what I tried to give a des description, I don't know, Pete, do you have any thoughts anymore about philosophy and that way of looking at it? I don't know if you've ever. Yeah, and describe yeah. it. Is there anything you would add to that about how the Greeks would view that? Yeah, with with Aristotle and Plato, that that was kind of the origin of like metaphysics. 
So which we were talking about was like the archetypes, the archetypes. Yeah, yeah. And then the forms are imperfect, you know, um, Im- imperfect examples of the archetypes. Um, you know, one thing that one thing that came to mind is like we, we know uh, logos, right? Like we have logos on our hats and on our shirts, hmm. and logo is like the image of. The brand. Something. Right? Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, which reminds me, reminded me of how much we were talking about the image of God and in us being like image bearers and how Jesus was the image of the actual image of God was God. Uh-huh. But, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? That's what Jesus says. Yeah. So, he was like the logo <laughs> of God. Right. Yeah. 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 When you were saying that, I just thought of it. The Logos is the image of the company. Right. And yes, we have a company. It's like there's three of them. But I think like the... So going along with Peace saying, like with Plato, that the archetype would be like, you see the logo on his hat. But that is sort of a changing type thing. That is a, a copy or a or the imperfect copy. Or yeah. the chair. Like, these are examples of chair, but there is something that like, is the yeah. perfect chair. Right, or, exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. one. Yeah. And, and, and everything else is just an example of it. And that thing is unchanging. Okay. So, the chair, these things up here are unchanging. All right. So... Looking at what John's doing here, what is he doing, as we look at this prologue, what is John doing to go right after this idea that the Greeks had as to what the Logos is? Because now John's coming in with this word that's so well known, not just among normal people, but particularly among the philosophers and stuff. And he's saying that your idea of Logos, you have believed for all these centuries, is not right. <laughs> In essence, he's going to he's going to take and just sort of want to blow that up. Yeah, multiple right? gods, yeah, you multiple gods, them. right? So let's take a look. Just I want you to keep that in mind. So what is it that he is saying that like so <laughs> radically changes what is really all things were made through him. Okay. And without him, not anything made that was made. Okay. So everything was made through him. Right. All right. Okay. And I've always, in my mind, I don't know whether this is English or correct or not, but I've always thought of the word is also being the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, good. And I've always thought it was like pre-Bible. I thought it was like <laughs> That's the, word, the, the spiritual word was written, you know, by God uh-huh. and existed for eternity before. Uh-huh. Right. Before it was ever put down on well, through whatever it was put down on. on. Everything into existence. Uh-huh. Yeah, word, words are like an interface between God and man, Right. Like these ideas, God's word, he can communicate to us because we're in his image, and we can communicate back with his words. It's like information. Okay. That we can 
we can share and information is not a is not necessarily a physical thing but it mm. interfaces with physical reality right um, but the idea is that the information is not itself physical so it's, yeah I mean it's like uh, kind of like a bridge between metaphysical and physical reality or spiritual and physical reality could be and then it says the word became flesh right uh-huh Okay, so when you hear that, what do you think that, how do you, how do you think the Greeks would hear that? <laughs> the word became flesh. That might have pushed them away. <laughs> yeah. How would that go against, I don't know, we're not philosophers here, but I mean, how would that go against what they think when we say the word became flesh? It'd be like the, somebody scratching a record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because they're, they're thinking... There's a separation. There's like this heavenly separation between the 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 true true. So for the Greeks, they would call what's truth is not what I see down here. What is truth is up here. It's unchanging. All right. So the access to that, the Greeks would always look at that pretty much like as humans. You know, we can do the best we can to get access to that. Yeah, Tom. No. Oh, okay. So so when we when you say this <laughs> became flesh. It's 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 like it's an invasion of it, realm. But yeah, there you go. Exactly. Well put. Invasion of realm. It's like you're invading something that is never can be invaded. All right. Can't be. Yeah. yeah you're now all of a sudden saying. So, what is so key about up here, among other things, is it's unchanging. This world, as we all know, is changing. Constantly, right? This car just drove by. All right. What I say right now, I'm not going to say in a few minutes. All right. I mean, so there's all this change. All of a sudden, we're not going to get to the idea that this unchanging world is going to, how do you say it again? Invade. Invade the realm. Invade this realm. All right. What's and become too, flesh. Like, what's, what's not knowable is now knowable. Because they don't Interesting. Like, this. What's not knowable is now knowable. Yeah, because okay. this Logos thing, they don't. They could have a concept of it, but they can't relate to it and talk to it and understand the personality about it or anything. Okay. But it becoming flesh in the form of Jesus is uh-huh. now a knowable, personable thing. Okay. So, did you guys hear some of that there? Mm-hmm. That is. <laughs> very good chat. I mean, so all of a sudden. This thing that everybody says is unknowable is now knowable, but you said another word too. Personable. 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 What does that mean? When, when, so, and that's exactly right. It's now, it's now personable. I have to give this. I have to give this to Chris because. Don't forget it next time. Yeah. <laughs> He's waited about Thank a month you. for that. Can I bring that on here? Is that cool? Come on in. I'm like sweating. Yeah. Mountain bike, so I'm going to sit outside. Oh, and here. Is that cool? Um, is that cool? Hey, Chris. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Hey, Chris. Is this the new one? Yep. Cool. You got the last one. Don't let anybody else in, Bill. <laughs> so, so what Chad just said there is this thing that's called the Logos. That for the Greeks was always impersonal. There's no knowing. There's no person. 
has now become something that is personable, that is something you can know, but not just like know, <laughs> head knowledge. It's like now, it's like I know Bruce, I know Chad, I know Bill, I know Chris, okay? There's something very different that's happening for the Greeks that are just going, this does not make any sense. Because this God, that is the unknowable that they would think, has now entered into the human sphere and becomes knowable. And you can hear that, you can hear that in the, in the language here. And changing. Um, yeah, change, yeah, okay. Um, so, take a look. If you guys are just reading through, again, look at how do we see that happening? How do we see this God becoming personable? Something that you can relate with. When you guys think of a person, what, what are the characteristics of a person? So, you ever thought about that before? But when I say the word person, what is unique about persons? Living. What? 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 Living. Living. Well, okay. My dog lives. Is my dog a person? Well, my dog is dead now, but so I don't have a dog anymore. <laughs> so beyond a, so a life essence, but. Uh... Keep going. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say their physical and like emotional like well-being. I'd say first of all, human being. Yeah. So what, yeah, so when you say human being, though, a human being is a person. Person. A person is a human being. being. Okay, so really synonymous. What makes someone a person? What is unique about us? Their belief system. They're conscious. So, okay, they're conscious. Well, we have traits. So and, we have traits and characteristics. Okay, right? Jesus I mean, was full of grace. Okay, and truth. All right, okay. glory. What makes right. a human being? I mean, yeah. In, what makes a human being? Ability to choose, intellect, and will. Okay, so free will. All right. Made in the image of God. The what? Made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. Imagination. That's infinite. Your imagination is infinite. Okay. It goes on. All right. Body, mind, spirit, and soul. Spirit might be asleep. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? What makes you a person? What makes it so... I look and I go, you're a person. I can speak. I can speak. Okay. My neurosis. <laughs> Your neurosis. <laughs> you seek relationships. And what ha- and very good. Relationships. Yeah, I love that. You seek relationships. Okay. So you don't just speak, you don't just have this imagination and everything, but you not just seek relationships, but you are in relationship. Right? Interact. I- interact, exactly. Yeah. All right? I don't think you're to go anywhere finding something like this, okay, doing what we're doing among the animal kingdom. No. Right? <laughs> because they're not persons, all right? Um, they're not communicating in the sense of personally communicating with another. Um, and when we're personally communicating, we're getting to, I think it goes back to what said, we're getting to what to each other? When we share, we get to what? What happens when you share? You learn from each other. You learn from each other. What are you saying, Tom? Yeah. Oh, no, you just experience one another. Yeah, you experience one another. But most of all, what ends up happening? You get to know. You get to know one another. Exactly. Okay. So that, so that right there is sort of a core of a person. Is not. We mostly think that we can, like a lot of the definitions you guys just gave, are true. 
but they tend to be about just me, right? But it's the ability for us to relate and the ability for us to truly know one another that makes us unique as persons. So what does God do here? God becomes us. And what does that mean when he becomes us in terms of that? He wants to get to know us. He wants to get to know us. Excellent. He wants to get to know us. And he wants us to know him. Know him. Connection. Huh? Connection. Yeah, connection. So you see, this whole thing here is John's laying out the fact that this God that you guys think is this unchangeable, impersonal reality that you can never know now becomes this God that you actually can have a relationship with. Right. God condescended. Yeah. Hmm. God what? God condescended. Condescended. <laughs> that is like the actual meaning. Yeah. Condescended. Interesting. He uh, lowered himself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Break the word down. Yeah. Yeah. So you like, don't be so condescending, but like, yeah, with God, it's like he condescended. Yeah. Hmm. So I want you to take a look at... Um, so as we just read along, I'll just say in, in verse 9, notice how it says... Um, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was the he was in the world, and someone may have noticed this before. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Okay, so that all sort of makes sense. But then you hit this fact: yet the world did not know him. That's that personal knowing again. And by world, that means persons. That means us. Did not know him. He came into his own, and there we go. Now we see persons again. He came into his own, and his own what? People did not receive him. <laughs> I mean, does that sound just like, in, I mean, any of us I don't know if any of you, have any of you ever experienced like being rejected? <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Early, yeah. early love life. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting that he used did not and did not receive, did not know, because that implies that they could know him. Uh-huh. Whereas if you think back to the Greek attack, they didn't think you could know. They thought that it was a separation and exactly. you would use can't or could not in exactly. that situation. So they did not. Yeah. So you see, again, that whole personal, we can all relate to that. I mean, I think one way or the other about our own people don't receive us. Uh, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And we talked about that last week. And he gave the right for us to not just know him, but to actually be in this intimate, familiar relationship with him. Closer than we can even be to each other. Okay, and this children of God. Who were born not of who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And then, this is probably, I would want to say, this is maybe one of the more radical statements of all of Scripture. It just captures this, which is verse 14. And the Word became flesh. So we talked about that. But it didn't just become flesh. It didn't just become a person like a a person in the flesh. But what did it do? And it what? Dwelt. 
took up residence. <laughs> and where'd you hear that before? Tabernacles. <laughs> right here. <laughs> yeah, which Bible do you have? Yeah, I got this one. I forgot yeah. mine. Okay, no, 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 that's fine. So, you guys see that right there? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Does anybody know what that word is for dwelt? Not abide. <laughs> we talked about last week. It's not tabernacle. It is tabernacle. Okay. So literally what this word says is, and the word became flesh and tabernacled with us. What's the word, another word for tabernacle? Pitched his tent. Pitched his tent. Very good. Tabernacle is a tent. Pitched his tent. Came to live literally with us. Didn't just become flesh, but decided to come in the tent. <laughs> come in and live with us. It's not a tent in Salt Lake City. <laughs> no, it's not a tent in Salt Lake City. Because Salt Lake City, if you're talking about the Mormons, they don't really believe this happened. They don't? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, we won't get into all that right now. Um <laughs> But now, you're a Jew. If a Greek heard tabernacle, they probably would go, what is that word? I don't know. Okay, then maybe they do know what it is. But when you're a Jew and you hear that, what is this telling you? Because we know the word is Jesus. We know this already, right? Mm -hmm. So, what does it mean when we hear that this word, this Jesus... Now tabernacles with us. The Holy of Holies is where Yahweh dwells, was invited to dwell. Yeah. In a tabernacle, a tent. Uh-huh. So they they were in uh, uh, in Egypt for 400 years. They came out and they needed a place to worship Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And they made a tabernacle and presented it through Moses in a way that God wanted it. To be and so what's the purpose of the tabernacle? So that Yahweh would come. Relationship with God. God. Relationship with God, would you say? God. It's God's presence. It's God's presence. It is God's living with them. So it wasn't just a tent. What? Why a tent? Why was it a tent? It was, for, a, it was a portable temple because they were, they were moving. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so they, God, literally... And I'm going to say not figuratively, literally, God's presence moved with them. All right? So wherever they went, God went. All right? And Moses would go into the tent, and Moses would come out of the tent and do what? Speak. Speak. <laughs> Very good. Speak what? What God said. What God said. And then Moses would not just go into the tent and come out speaking what God said, but God would go in, I mean, Moses would go into the tent and do what? Speak. God. Speak to God. <laughs> See that? Relationship. All right. But Moses would like... go into the tent and say, don't wipe these people out. Yeah. I know they screwed up again, God, but don't wipe them out. And God would tell Moses, okay, well, you know, I'll relent, all right, and I won't wipe them out, but they better get their act together, all right. But so Moses would go in and literally have this conversation with God in the tent. God would 
speak to Moses. Moses would speak to God. I mean, that's the way in which the people related back then. That was the very presence of God. And that happened all the way up until the temple. All right. And then when, why did, why did the tent become the temple? I mean, why did the tent become the temple? Because they were in Jerusalem. Because, yeah. They were set. So they, they they came home. Right? Jerusalem was the city that that was God said, this is going to be your city. The holy Jerusalem. And they said, okay, what makes it your city? Because God lives here in this temple. And God, if you read in the Old Testament, there was the very much the people knew God was in the tent because the cloud and the fire would move along with it. All right? So the people knew God was following them. When the temple was built by Solomon, God's presence visibly came upon that temple to say, God now lives with you. But I don't know if you know this. What ends up happening is the people do what people do. <laughs> right? And they sinned. And they sinned. And they sinned. And they made idols. And they turned away from that living God that was sitting in the tent. And then, I think it's in Ezekiel we read, maybe Second Chronicles 2. What ends up happening is God's presence leaves, leaves. that temple. <coughs> and for over four or five hundred years, the people were waiting for God to tabernacle with them again. And so when John's writing this, he's saying, guess what? God's back. <laughs> he's back. And he's saying, he's back, but he's back now. How's, how's God back different? He's tabernacling him with He's with, yeah, he's with them. Yeah, and just think how different this is now. That must have angered the Jewish audience, because in a way, that's claiming to be God. Claiming? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, because it was a mixed audience, right? <laughs> we're talking Greeks and Jews were reading this. Yeah. Taking yeah. this in. Yeah. It wasn't just. That's one thing about John. He wasn't just speaking to one group or the other. Right. He's talking to everybody. Yeah. So you can just see in this how radical this is. I mean, we're, to the Greeks, they're saying this thing that's impersonal, that's unchanging, is now a God that's personal, because their gods were not personal. <laughs> they were not happy gods, all right? They were not personal. They didn't really care what was happening down, or they were just upset what was happening down. They were not in relationship with people, like the gods of, of the Greeks, all right? So you could believe in those gods, and they're not personal, they're just mean, or it's impersonal. And now you have a God saying, I want to live with you. I want to be with you. I mean, that is probably the most radical thing in history that could ever happen. That is mind-blowing. Is that God literally lives with them. Wasn't that characteristic of their gods that they need to appease the gods? Absolutely. Pay a price. Yeah, and the gods would, are fickle and cruel. Exactly. <laughs> and, and gods was plural. So if yeah, I something happens to me today, you know, I get sick, I have to go and give to this God and sacrifice to this God. And then I, you know, you know, wreck my car and I have to go to this God. And I yell at my wife and I have to go to this God. And I'm always trying to constantly, you know, like twirl and try to make all the gods happy. 
You never can make them happy. You can never know them. So the, and effect, they don't the effect on the Greeks, just like you said, it would be the effect on the Jews when Paul's preaching to them. He's just turning the table over. Because they revered their philosophers like, like gods. Absolutely. So you're saying all these guys that you revered are wrong. Yeah. They're like, really? <laughs> Who are you to come in here like? Exactly. And on the temple thing and God, and you, you said... E- either that or he was saying, this idea that you have is right, but let me like give you a full revelation of what it is. You, <laughs> you know, don't quite have a right. You're wrong. Uh, it's like, this is right, but yeah. let me tell you... What were you going to say, Tom? Yeah. You were finished. Um, when you're talking about the temple and yeah. how Jesus replaced it, it there's, there's the scripture, you know. They said, look at this temple. Aren't, aren't, aren't you impressed? It took us 40 years to build this. He said, I'll tear it down in three days. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what? So he's saying, he was a temple right there in that phrase. He said, exactly. I'm the temple. We don't need it anymore. We need the temple. I'm the temple. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm yes. a little naive on this. I, I was actually uh, hey, just yes. reading, I was no, reading uh, Kings today. Um, so with all of these things that I read about, like in Kings, when they talk about, you know, believing false gods and stuff, is this, could, could have John, did, did he already, did he already know the law of Moses? Did he, is that what you're saying? That he's, he's saying right now that I'm going to clear this all up. Basically, is he referring to Solomon's days? He's referring, yes. So John is a Jew. He is an apostle. He knows that entire history. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he knows that the people have been waiting for hundreds of years. Like, where's our God? Is he ever going to come back? The people kept wondering if God's going to come back. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and so John here is saying, this Jesus, <laughs> okay, that, that lived, because John's writing after Jesus was crucified, this, this Jesus that lived among you mm-hmm. is God among us. All right. Somebody you can get to know. And it's directly going against, if you think about it, they that concept for the Jews, they were, and they still are today, expecting God to come down more like they more like before. In fact, today the Jews, there's a whole set of Jews that are ready at the temple, very close to the temple, secretly they have everything ready to something to happen for God to come back to that place and to be their God and to restore that temple. Because that's their idea of how God interacts. But to the Jews, think about how different that is. Now you're saying this person, this Jesus, <laughs> even though he's a Jew, is actually God among us? <sighs> I don't think they can wrap their hands around it. Yeah. So you can just sort of get an idea. The radical nature here is that this God has become flesh, but as you guys were all saying... He's not just become flesh, he's now become someone that you can know, that you can be, you were saying, relationship, that you can be in this relationship with. I mean, that's even radical, because for the Jews, who could be in the relationship with God? They had a holy of holies. Only one high priest could go in, talk to that God. The high priest and the Levite. For the common people to be able to have this relationship with God? Yeah, radical but so in, in this prologue, I'm sort of trying to overall look at this prologue, John is saying something that just takes the Greeks and turns everything and blows everything up. And he goes and he takes what's going on with even the Jews and just flips it around and blows it up, <laughs> in essence. 
Okay. Um, because he's saying this human, the Jews, I don't think, had the idea that you would ever expect. They were expecting a Messiah to come in and take over, but they were never expecting they were, God. they were expecting a, a spiritual God, weren't they? Is, I'm asking, was the, the Messiah in the Old Testament considered to be a, a man that would come to earth? Yeah, well, you're not expecting even, a political takeover. Or yeah. like a warrior. A man. Like David. So, right. So a, not David. A, mor- yeah. a mortal. Yeah, a yeah. mortal, though. A yeah. mortal. Okay. Not actually and God. And they still himself. expect that today. They did. Yeah. That's right. So that was the prophecy back then. That yeah. They, it was kind of being. Yeah. Wasn't even Moses seen as a type? As a type of Jesus. Yeah. But as, as a deliverer, when they were coming out of Egypt, right, as a, like a Messiah, right. a prophet, a Messiah. Yeah, you you could definitely put him in that category. But he's human; he's not God. No, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, right. But right. wouldn't wouldn't they have had the tradition of a deliverer? Uh, they were yeah. looking to that Messiah yeah. figure, and they've been waiting ever the right. whole three thousand years. They were looking for another King David. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Because what did King David do? He came. He took over back over the land during the time of King David is when most of what the prophecy was that God said, I'm going to bring you this land, was during the time of King David's reign that most, if not all, of the land that God had promised became God's people's land. Right. And so now they're wanting to, they're thinking, oh, okay, we're all going to come back and we're going to have a Messiah that brings us all back. And then God's going to come back to the temple in Jerusalem and everything's going to be hunky-dory just like it was supposed to be before. You know? But David couldn't finish the temple. No, right. He didn't build the temple. Solomon, yeah, Solomon did. Right. Solomon right. built the temple. Yeah. yeah. God didn't even want the temple. Yeah. Well, it was in it. He said, I'm happy with the tent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I guess mm-hmm. like every time I thought that I saw, I thought I remember that um, every time they were trying to build something that like, don't build it. It's like, you know, it's like, my house is your house. Or like, is it, wasn't it something like Well, and David couldn't have built the temple because... He had blood it, on his hands. Yeah, he had blood in his hands from having an affair with a woman that... Well, I thought it was because he was a warrior and killed someone. I think, it was, I think it was all oh. of it. I think it was... Yeah, yeah I think it was we were yeah. Adulterer, yeah. murderer. Yeah. Man, I mean, definitely part of war because... Uh, my kind of guy. Yeah. I mean everything yeah, man. <laughs> which scares me a little yeah. but he got the closest to being the one who, who was like that so. so how disappointing then that the son of David comes without an army without power I mean without right. that kind of power right. without military power right. without conquest right that's that's not the way it's supposed to be right yeah like lowly riding on a donkey yeah the foal of a donkey yeah I had a discussion yeah. with Jeff our Jeff here about this a few years ago, and we we're speculating whether that's why Judas got in his mind. He was going—he was going to provoke Jesus to prove he was the Messiah. Okay, I'm going to set you up, so you—you're going to have to prove it, because you just said you're going to go up to the city and die, and we're not—I'm not going to have that. You know, it's kind of an interesting twist. It's not biblical, but it's like he—they were expecting a Messiah who was a warrior. He was just going to come free him and. Get rid of the Romans, and uh, Jesus was playing that pretty well with all the miracles and everything. But then, right before he went into the city, he said, "Well, I'm going to go up there and be killed." And the disciples were like, "What? How can you be the Messiah and you be killed?" Yeah, yeah. Well, they, when, when did you ever get it? They just what, couldn't get it. When did you ever read a book or see a movie or hear a story where the guy didn't 
at the very end, call down 10,000 angels to, <laughs> to win, right? Yeah. You, that's the expectation is that if he can do it, he's going to do it. I assume Tom Cruise did that in his movie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good movie. <laughs> good but, it's cool. but, it's yeah, cool, but it's cool. But you know, you mentioned that I mean, in the scripture, he covers it because Jesus said it to Pilate. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I can. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, sort of closing off a little bit of this is we've talked about, so some of you guys who've been here through some of the different studies before, um, we have talked about this word. There's been two words we've used. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are those two words? Inclusio. Inclusio and... And you said, come on, was it? Chiasm. All right. Like, I, I'm not going to teach you any more than those two words. I'm going to just keep at them. So what, so when we read, like when we're reading this right now, okay, we as, as English readers, we read from here and we read all the way down. Okay. Um, so one, yeah, left to right, but we also read from top to bottom, all right? And we read along, and so when we read verses 1 through 118, we just read it all the way straight through. Much, much of Scripture for a number of reasons. One is for memorization in the Greek and the Hebrew, but also to get a point across is they would not just have it where it's read all the way through, but they use what's called a chiastic structure. Which means that, in short, that this, when I, so at verse 1 I say this, and at verse 18 I say this, and at verse 2 I say this, and at verse 17 I say this. And these things are parallel, okay, in some form. But when, what really gets interesting with a chiastic structure is that when there's a middle by itself, Okay, so we go 1, 18, 2, 17. I'm going to keep going because I'll, <laughs> I'll be able to do it. And you get down to where you're with one middle verse that stands all by itself. That is the key verse that the author wants you to go, that is the point I'm trying to, this is the, of all the things I just said in 1 through 18, this is it. This is the main thing that happens. All right? So you guys are already looking. What do you think is the main thing? Without me drawing it out, because I'm not going to do that, what, which makes it a little bit harder, what is the main verse that sits in the middle that is the core of everything John's trying to say in 1 through 18? Verse 12. Verse 9. I hear verse 12. I hear verse 9. I hear what? 9. 9. I hear, what is is 9 and what's 12? So 9... The true light which gives light to everyone was coming to the world. Twelve, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All right, do we have this wager? Okay, anybody else? What do you think is the main thing? Nine. Nine. I hear nine. (laughs) Anybody else? Eric, do you have any guess? I think the true light which gives light to everyone. Okay, nine, all right. I'd say 14. 14. 14, ooh, we got four. Ooh, what's 14? 14 is, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We just proclaimed. Okay, and we have seen His glory. Ten. Ten? So, ten. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. 
anybody else. I would not be because it's mathematics. Are you trying to do mathematics? 18 divided by 2. Now, that's just, now, here's a problem with that. Yeah, okay, I'm sure there is. There is a problem with that. Because the verses were not in the original and by the Bible. Okay. Well, now you tell. So, alright. Now I'm going to rethink it. Alright, I'm going to just tell you what it is. Okay. Hey, I got it. Anybody? Oh, Chris has got it. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, yeah. 12, sorry, somewhere. 12? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Chris is right. Along with everybody else who said 12. Well, 12 is the, in a chiasm, 12 is the middle verse that is the main point that changes everything. It's the main thing that goes, this is what it's all about. And guess yeah. what? It's all about what? Believing. Receive and believe. Yeah, Receive and believe God. and what? Becoming children of God. Becoming children of God. Which means having a continuing relationship. Right. That's right. Spiritual. Exactly. All right? So the key thing that John's getting across in this prologue is that when any of us believe in the name of Jesus Christ, when we believe in Him, and we talked about last week when we talked about again, belief is a it's not just, it's not a head thing only. It's a head heart. It's like I'm giving my allegiance. I trust. Trust is another word for believe. I place all my trust in Jesus Christ. We get a gift. The greatest gift in the world. Which is we are, well, we are, well, we get that, but we are the children of God. Yeah, the tabernacle. Right. And the Spirit comes so we can have that relationship as the children of God, okay? Which we'll see as we go through John. Greg, so that's what was the key that? thing. Uh-huh. I'm so sorry to interrupt. No, what, no. What, what did you call that again? The one, the one sentence. It's it's the it's a chiastic structure, okay. and it is the middle verse in a chiasm. Okay. Okay. Chiasm. It looks like this. So it's like if I took those verses one and eighteen, two and seventeen, three and sixteen. Okay. You start seeing it come down, and then we would hit verse 12, and 12 would not have another verse to go with. It would be the very middle, and that, said, that in essence says, this is actually all through the Hebrew, the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see this. That becomes like the turning point, the main thing that he wants his readers, and his readers would know that. The Greek readers would know that, the Hebrew readers would know that. This is a very common way that they write in those Thank things. Thank you. Okay. So this has a paradox in this little sentence here, because mm-hmm. uh, if we receive and re- believe, then we are, by the will of God, made his. So, the will of God made us believe, you know, it's kind of Who like... Who are born not, but, or the will it's of... It's like, do we have free will or not, is what I'm saying. Um, because it's what, the will of God that we right. believe and receive. Nor the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. I'm not sure, and I don't know the answer to that, Tom. I'm not sure whether will here is really the will. It says not by the will of the flesh or the will of man, but by the will of God. So in other words, the reason why you are children of God, because you put your trust in Christ, is not because of anything you're doing. It's because it's the will of God that that's how I'm going to enter this relationship with people. It's through this belief that I place my faith, my trust in Christ. 
abiding. I adapt abiding right. I now become that. He's okay. he's giving the right, which is a form of a choice. So we could choose not to take this. Yeah, we could choose right. to just reject it. We him. can choose not to believe. That's my yeah. Right, and most people will. Right, but it's also it's also a legal standing, like a right, right, right. Uh huh. Like, legal, like legally, to become children of God. Yeah. Uh, I think I think in thirteen it's it's drawing a um, uh, uh, contrast between the flesh and the spirit, yeah. right? Because like yeah. when Jesus goes to, to and Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, "How can a man be born again?" Right? And and uh, you know, and and it's the contrast of being born by the spirit or being born of the flesh, and I, and that's I think that's what John's getting at there. Yeah. Yeah. Born of God. Uh huh. So on the front of the whole book, would this be a good verse yeah. to memorize? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Which is pretty easy to memorize. Yeah. Which is. But trust. Who did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, who trust? And remember, we talked about last week. The word name means a personal relationship again. It's a personal thing. When we trust or believe in His name, it means we believe in Him as a person the person of God, then we become children of God. All right. And the whole thing then that we ta- started talking about last week that I want to just sort of finish off with is that how do we do that? Okay? Because we can all place our trust in Him. And we can all say, I know I did that. And I know I received that spirit. And I know that I'm a Christian. And I know that I have that relationship with God. But I can know that I have that relationship. Like I can know that I have a relationship with Bill. Alright? Even though he lives ab- above me. You live higher up. Okay? You're closer to heaven than me. Yeah, so good. But, <laughs> but I can know I have a relationship with Bill. And I can never really talk to him, don't go to lunch with him, never hang out, but I know him, right? But you've humbled yourself. Right. <laughs> I have Bill come down. Yeah. yeah. Um, but seriously, if you think about knowing, there's not just, okay, I have that relationship, I'm not a child of God, but how do I continue that relationship? And that's how do you been, get the process going? Right. And, and keep the, it going. Right. And that has been a, that that's the subject of many, many discipleship books, many, many discussions over 2,000 years. How do we keep that relationship going? And we start touching on that last week. I'm going to just finish us off this week with that. There's different ways of doing that, okay? And so I'm going to give you one of those ways that we're going to focus on here within this group. Okay, and we started talking about this last week. Because we saw last week that in John... He starts to say, you take the word belief, and he says, when you have, have this relationship with God, when you're actually communicating and knowing God, and abi- he uses the word abiding, all right? He uses that word that I'm abiding with you. And what's interesting in John is the way he says we abide with him is through his, his word. His word. Through his words. Okay, remember how we just talked about what makes us a person? Talking back and forth, okay, and so same thing with with God. He's saying, "I want to communicate back and forth." All right, He wants to have this relationship with us, but that relationship that we have with God is a little bit, you know, it's a little different than just what we do here. Okay, 
Um, because when he talks about having that, we talked about how last week he said, one of the ways you have that relationship with God, okay, is not just by getting the word, okay, not just by being in the word, not just by praying even. But what did we talk about last week? How did John, actually the John of 1 John, say that we actually continue that relationship? How does that happen? Anybody remember? If I remember right, when you take the word and you express it to somebody else. Exactly. At this point in the recording, now go and find the link for the video. This should be part of the podcast notes. Watch the video and then return back here in the recording. This is at the one hour mark. Well, how do you, what, tell me about it. Well, because it, it is easier to say God, and I think it's also easier to say Christ. Oh, okay. Maybe even Lord. Okay, but interesting. Jesus is like, huh, harder. It's like more serious. Right? Okay. Just, and I did that, and I was at, it, that, that was actually very profound for me last week. And what you're talking about right now is very profound. You know, um, and and I and I did that, and it was uh, yeah, it was powerful. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it was like a few times in the past. You're saying are you giving me an example? Yeah, like, I'm yeah. trying to remember. Yeah. You know, as I'm speaking, I'm like, when was this? Because I I like know I did it. But, it was when um, you missed that putt. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I didn't go. I'm just. <laughs> I think when you say God. Uh-huh. It just covers so many bases that people, it's more accepting to people, more right? Yeah. But when you say Jesus, you're narrowing it right down. Yeah. You know? Okay. And in a world that won't accept Jesus, they didn't accept him then, they don't accept him now. Right. You can, I love your analogy, your metaphor, whatever you want to call it, of taking our good spiritual water. But you run into someone that's already has the, really a lot of dark water, you know, man of the world, whatever. Yeah. You pour it in there. It's not going to change much, but maybe it'll plant a seed. Maybe. Well, because, uh, I mean, one way I could take that metaphor, I'd probably stretch it too much to say I, no, I like that it. when someone has that inside of them and Christ comes along, what does he do? He cleanses us of our sin. Yeah. You he know, just wipes it out. That metaphor okay. you can stretch a bit more as you were talking about the, the pure water. If you're into the health food thing, I'm not, but I had a girlfriend who was. And you, if you buy a crystal geyser, which I think is the best bottle of water, she says, that's dead. It's dead water. I go, what do you mean? She says, well, it's been in a container so long, it's lost its minerals have evaporated, not evaporated, but they've yeah. been purged. Yeah. And the electrolytes are gone and the electrical charge is gone. But you can buy this thing and it'll recharge your water. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you think, well, so the analogy is like, I'm a Christian, I'm taking in pure water and I'm just holding it in. But it's good for me. This right. is good for me. Right. It's not good for you. That pure water that just sits is not even good for you. If you use that analogy, because it goes stale. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, those are both, I think you look and see Jesus is doing, saying that. So, you asked a really good question. Can anybody give him an example? Does anybody yet have an example? I mean, you said, but can you think of the example where you would have used God, or you just had an opportunity to say Jesus? Um, did, they, did anybody was try to challenge? The challenge was to try to say Jesus? Yeah, so the challenge is, so, and again. Yeah, I just heard about this, that's what Yeah, I know. And I so, use this all the time. So I, So, I want to... I want to say, be creative here, guys. I'm not talking about trying to say, be in le- I definitely don't want to be legalistic about this. I want you to be listening to the leading of the Spirit. But one way to start doing this is to say, when I mostly consciously would want to just say, God, instead say, 
Jesus. Like to somebody. Or say Christ. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I so, try at work because I have like a, a job where I speak to people across the country, and I've told you this before, right? I've made it a point now to try to say, I was saying it, I try to say God at least once uh-huh, on the uh-huh, call. Uh-huh. I do mortgages, and I talk to people all over the country, and it's kind of like, I see people struggling, and I see people like in really deep, like kind of sad areas in their life sometimes, you know? So I, but it's funny, I don't say Jesus. So I'm thinking of this, like, oh, I could replace that and maybe have a, but it's crazy how every day I at least have a conversation. I always ask God, let me have a conversation about you with somebody. And we end up talking about, I say God. Which is a good prayer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I say, I just want to help somebody and I want to have a conversation about you with somebody today. Uh I do that every day and it ends up happening. Some, somehow, some through the day, I end up get to talk about it, whether it's just that God bless you to somebody. Uh huh. So you're saying like, try to go Jesus. Like, I, I mean, I say God bless you a lot of people regardless, because some people go, oh, well, you know, God bless you too. I go, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, so you're a believer too. And they go, yeah. And then I just like, you know, we start talking. Could be something where you say, and I, I'm just, you know, you can say something, you know, blessings to Jesus. Yeah. You know? I, you know, Jesus funny, blesses the other, you. The other day um, I had, the other day I was mountain biking with a buddy I just met who was born and raised as a, as a Mormon who just left the, the, which is very hard for these, you know, for Mormons to leave. Um, and he, the way he describes it, right. And as a, as a cult, his family has almost shunned him for leaving it. And, uh, but it was crazy. I was, I was driving to meet him. We we're going to run out here in Laguna and I was picking him up in San Clemente. And I was like, God, I, I pray that I get to, I could talk to Eric about, about, um, somehow maybe have a conversation about you mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know he was, like, really fully left. I remember last time we had talked, he was like, oh, we're kind of, like, getting away from it. We just don't agree with it anymore. And it's, like, at the very end of our ride, somehow it came up. <laughs> it's like, here it comes. And next time we're, like, talking about it, I couldn't find the right words to even, like, it's hard. It's really it, it hard. Is, it, it is. To come with the right words to be powerful, right. to be even well, correct. I think one reason it's, it's, it's hard for all of us is <laughs> because yeah. Satan's the prince of the power of the air. Amen. Yeah. Mean, he's got... He's got it locked up, and for us to speak Jesus' word into that, it's light, and he yeah. hates that. But it is hard because we're under mm-hmm. we're yeah. under pressure. I almost to... feel like suffocated with words sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what, what are the right words to use? Because he came to the point where he's like, he, he's like, yeah, well, I want to raise my kids on something. Right. Like he's in this in this stage right now where he's pretty vulnerable, where he's like, he wants to have faith in something. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I'm at this, you know, and it's like I don't want to be. You know, God, it's hard. Like, do, do I do that and get that altercation? You know, like yeah. maybe or like that, like that. But that's probably what was meant to meant to be. Yeah. Right? Wrestle with that, and hey, if it leads into something, maybe it'll develop into something else. Maybe it'll smooth out. Maybe, right. Maybe so that's good. That. You were going to say, I was gonna say, you know, I don't know too many people in this room, but let's just say I walked in this room and there was like a, I don't know, maybe a poker game or something, and I didn't know who was a believer or not. And I looked at you guys and I just said, hey, I love you, or happy Father's Day, or, you know, you're all blessed. You know, you would probably take to me, but if I was to say, you know, um, Jesus is with you, I, I would be nervous to say that, because I would be yeah, like, it would weird. categorize me right off the bat, and then I would say, like, who's, you know, and, and I'm so sorry that I'm saying this, but it would, I think you know, I'm a believer, I think we all feel that way. But, you know, I, I, I'm around a lot of people and very spiritual people, but I don't think they believe in the Bible, and, you know, I read it every day, but, I mean, they know that. Yeah. But, I mean, I sometimes I try to talk to them about it, but I, 
I'm just scared to use the word. It's a very intimate word. Like when you say Jesus is with you, like people know like right away. It's like, well, don't put him on me. Yeah, exactly. But right? if I was to say to my friends, yeah, I yeah. love you, or they should yeah, put my handshake, you, I put hey, my arms around them, they'll people go people like, hey, man, I love you right. too. Yeah. And and that's all good, you know. But right. once the Jesus word comes out, it's I guess because it's a very and and I guess that's my challenge is to look and again, you're saying it. I want to be really clear. Pray about this. Don't. And as Paul says, do this sincerely. Right. This can't be just faith. Just look for the opportunity. And you know what? Start out with someone you know. Start out with a Christian, okay? Just yeah. start out with another Christian and just say, hey, uh, whatever you do, just try to find opportunities this week to just literally just say Jesus, yeah. all right, or Christ. And a lot of it, I think, along with you saying, I think all of us have that sense of also, you know, it's talks about Jesus. He was rejected by his own. A lot of us are afraid of that rejection. And we're not, we're not, I'm not trying to say go out and do there and shove it down someone's throat because that is not what we're doing here. Right. What we want to do though is the power, there is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of sharing Christ. If you're married, do it with your wife. If you, I mean, do something, you know, Eric and I were talking the other day and Sealer Charlie and with, you know, with Eric, his wife and him are having discussions. I guess I can tell, you know, he's, they're just, what are you guys doing? Reading the word together. Reading maybe John together. Right. right? We're reading John yeah. together on, well, last, at last night, so it can be prepared tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. So we, we read chapter one and we talked about it and it really brought us together. Yeah. In a special so way. there's another example. Just find ways, and it doesn't even have to be with Jesus, just, which you're going to be saying Jesus if you're reading John, all right? Just find ways in which you can start, just start practicing a little bit doing that. I just had an idea. It's yeah. really, hopefully it's from the Lord, just to deal with what we're talking about. And like walking into a, a group or something. You know, this sign, that's, there's one way. That's a Christian symbol. Mm. Mm. It's like the Christians in early Rome. They had the fish. They didn't want to be persecuted, and that was the sign they put on the door mm-hmm. instead of the cross. So this would be the sign that instead of saying something well loud, you say, Jesus. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Just make sure it's the right thing. <laughs> yeah. You said the word. You've spoken yeah. that word, yeah. and you're not being forthright or bombastic or anything. You know? yeah. And they might ask what you're talking about, but then... Yeah, and remember my illustration. You're pouring in first, too. So it's a lot what Eric said. If you guys get a chance this week, read this whole gospel. It takes two hours and two and a half hours to read it. Okay, that's if you're listening in audio, which means you could read mostly faster than that. Read through this, read through, you got it with you. Read through the whole gospel. When you start doing that, Stephen and I were talking about, like I'm trying to memorize Isaiah 53. I'm noticing as I'm doing this, not only is I'm feeling that closest to God, but I'm finding him giving me opportunities to actually say something of what I just memorized. Right. To some and it just all of a sudden opens up. Yeah, Chad. I have an example. Yeah, and then I want to close off in a few minutes. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, Good. So, yeah, I, I was thinking about this and praying about it. And, like, for me, I start to overanalyze things a lot. It, and I've noticed that's a tendency. And, like, it's not just with this. So, like, I try to just jump into doing things at some point. Uh-huh. Or else I'll never do it. So I was having a conversation with my stepdad, who's not a believer mm. at all. And he was just asking me, like, well, what's, like, what's going on at your church? Like, what are you guys doing? Like, what's kind of the point of, like, some of the things that are going on right now? Uh-huh. And I was like, well, this is, like, a perfect time. I was like, I'm, I mean, there's a lot we're doing. You know, it's, it, 
but to be concise, like what we're trying to do is just pursue the heart of Jesus, like yeah. in, in Scripture. Huh. And like it was cool because that gave me like pretty much everything else I've done in my life. Like once I start doing, I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't like wow. now I'm like really confident. But like I felt the Holy Spirit in that of like of reassurance because he's the type of guy who would like usually make fun of it, like oh ha ha like Jesus or whatever. And he was like, whoa, well, like that, that was like really direct. Huh. Oh, interesting. Um, but huh. like, I don't think it it went it, it went over as like I'm above you or anything. Like, yeah, because he asked, like, what are we doing? Well, like, that's actually what we're doing. And like, it's a, it was like a less sincere answer to be like, oh well, you know, there's God, and we just want people to be happy or <laughs> just some BS answer. Right. And so then, like, I was at my friend's wedding this weekend, and there was like all kinds of different people there. And so, like, I was talking with this guy who was like. He's actually a pastor, but, like, he's gone through seminary, but he's not, like, working as a pastor. And he's doing the wedding. He's a good mm-hmm. friend. Really good person. Like, we just had a conversation. We were both kind of using Jesus, so it wasn't, like, that wasn't very difficult. Right. Um, but then, like, I was getting more confident in it, and one of the guys who was, like, another groomsman in this wedding, him and his wife kind of came up and talked to me for whatever reason. We were talking. They are cool people. I really connected with them for whatever reason. And his wife is, like, sharing this, like, really long story of, like, this hurt she went through at a church when she was a kid, and she mm-hmm. doesn't really know, like, my background or, or anything, like, what like what I'm doing or what I do. Mm-hmm. And that, that eventually comes out, and she's like, well, like, what do I make of this? What's the, like, all, all these things? And basically, like, long story short, like, her struggle is, like, she's dealt with, like, corrupt people in the church. Mm, yeah. And, like, now kind of thinks, well, is God this way? And it's like, well, you don't have to worry about, like, what each of these people do or, like, what, like, I mean, the, the whole point of this is, is that, like, look at who Jesus is in Scripture, not who, like, these pastors are, these people who, me- who might have messed up. Right. And so I think, like, the moral of the story for me has been just, like, yeah, like, you, you want to be tactful, but, like, at some point, like, you just got to start doing things. And, like, this isn't, for me, also, like, a new thing. This is like, a conversation you and I have had, I think, a long time ago now. Right. A couple months ago. But, right. like, just the last week when you gave us a challenge, like, okay, I just got to finally start doing this. Because yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about it long enough at yeah. this point. All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, just thank you for the sharing of Eric right now, Lord, and just to witness him and his wife, Lord, of Pam and Shed. And Father, we um, were reading in this prologue that you came to earth to be with us. And I pray right now that you will be with Shed, you will be with Pam, you will be with them together, Lord. And we pray also what we just read in the prologue about the grace of God. And I think as Charlie said, grace upon grace upon grace. And I pray for your grace and your mercy for Pam and for Shadow. Just be with them. May they experience your presence. Experience you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for Eric and his wife's witness of you and just being there for them being Christ in their presence. Lord, I just thank you for all these guys, and Lord, we can't do all these things without you. You came to be with us, and you died on the cross, so you could still be with us, and be with us for eternity. And I pray, Lord, for all of us, Lord, that this week, may your Spirit guide us, May we fill ourselves up with you, fill ourselves up with the word. And may you present the opportunities for us to be bold. 
but do that sincerely, do that with integrity, and just simply be able to share you with others. Guide us, Lord. Be with us, Lord. Change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.